Hello, and welcome to Shelf Check, a podcast about books, pop culture, and the brand new thing. Shelf Check comes from Arlington Public Library in Arlington, Texas. I'm Miranda. I'm Tamara. And I'm Mark. Let's talk. Well, Happy New Year, guys. Hey, welcome to 2022. 2022. Mm-hmm. Let's hope for the best. <laughs> right? <laughs> but let's we talk think about... each New Year, New Year is better and bigger than the other one. Well, right. It's certainly we've, newer. We've definitely <laughs> yeah. been doing bigger. We need to start with the better. We're yeah. hoping this is the least bad of the past two years. Right? Years. Yes. I hope it's the least we've bad. we lowered expectations. I'm actually going to go with least bad of all the years. Huh? Oh, I like that okay. one. Okay. Swing, swing for the fence. <laughs> okay. Every year, I'll say that. Yeah. And um, so we want to start with some new thoughts, some new things to do, some new things to read, whether they're mm-hmm. new on the on the book scene or just uh, the first thing that some notable authors have written. So we're going to be talking debut authors. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking first novels mm-hmm. and all the sort of like. Uh, history of that is it something is it a lesser known one from a huge novelist that people forget right, about it right. is it the only one they overwrote and it's legendary yeah yeah we sometimes you stop at one because where are you going to go from there <laughs> it's just enough right who knows one hit wonder right right yeah. exactly so um, we've all kind of gathered up some ideas on this so I personally picked a couple different t- things that I've read that um are from authors who pretty much have other also written other things, but were their first novel that they yes done. yes and not, uh, not even the only novel I've read from that person, um, but one of them I, a really interesting one that I want to uh, talk about is the Stones of Summer by Don Mossman, mm-hmm. and the reason it's interesting is because there's actually an entire documentary that was done about this book going out of publishing, so uh, I want to say it probably was published in the seventies. There is a, a really interesting documentary entitled The Stone Reader from 2002, which is about um, the film. The filmmaker, the documentarian, had found this book probably secondhand somewhere in a bookstore. Right. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Was like this this incredible novel. Uh, why has no one heard about this novel? Why is this not like a classic novel that's out there in the world? And then they went and did some research and realized that it, it was published just sort of lightly. And then the publisher went out of business shortly afterwards, was bankrupt. Mm-hmm. And so it went out of publication very quickly. And the author just kind of went into obscurity for, you know, a few decades. Yeah, because sometimes when, especially when you have characters mm-hmm. that you might consider use it, using in other books, right, you uh, mm-hmm. you have those characters that are tied up within this particular contract that you mm-hmm. can't necessarily transfer from publisher to publisher. Yeah. Right, and it's, it's very interesting. So this, this documentarian just got really interested in, like, what happened? This author is still living. Mm-hmm. They're out there in the world not writing more books. I've not heard of them. It's just like a lost classic that just never got off the ground. Where is this person? And so the the the, the documentary itself really um, goes into like researching um, the publishing company. Obviously, it had been bankrupt, so there was like a not not a lot of space there. Ended up like tracking down the person who took the photo for the back of the cover. Wow. You know, just all sorts of different things. And wow. then finally found the the gentleman who wrote it, who was just kind of quietly living his life and was, I think, a welder. He had taken care of an elderly mother. He, he had done written... what he wanted to do. And well, he actually, book, no. Right? Well, no? it's actually a little bit more of the idea of uh, he, he wrote this book, which is a culmination of a lot of personal history. And then obviously it was kind of lost into the dustbin of history in some ways. Mm-hmm. And so he got stymied for a long period of time. 
and just sort of went on with life in other ways. Yeah. And was a voracious reader, but just kind of like was a welder and kind of lived quietly. Right. And then, nicely enough, though, he does have a second novel. Okay. So it was written a few years after this documentary. Yeah, I've came been out. Um, totally obsessed with a YouTube channel recently that is exploring one hit wonders in the musical sense. Okay. And one of the questions that uh, that they ask is, so what, what did they do before? And it gives a little bit of history, and it's completely fascinating. Um, uh, Todd in the Shadows, I think, is the name. Oh, of the I know that. Yeah. And um, what what is interesting is the number of times in which they could have done more had their label been more supportive, mm-hmm. or had uh, circumstances been different. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's not that there was not an appetite for more. Mm-hmm. But there were external circumstances that kind of dictated what happened. There's another... That, which sounds very familiar. Yeah, and and, and from what you're that. saying is like there's something very important about the relationships that you form with the process. Yeah. And if you uh, if that relationship dissolves in one way or the other, do you form that relationship with someone else or do you... Uh, uh, just show that back. And, back. Yeah. And you know, there's another great documentary actually called uh, Searching for Sugarman, which is uh, probably right up your alley because mm-hmm. it's about it's about a '60s uh, singer songwriter who wrote some really lovely, a couple of really lovely albums that got that really didn't do any business. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't. Uh, got they're very good. I actually own both of them now, um, but they got really popular in like. Brazil, I think, okay. with like a pirate copy That's or a copy. rather random. Uh, no, yeah. no, actually, I think it's actually South Africa. Okay. South Africa, I believe. Like a couple copies like went over there, and right. for whatever reason, if it was Found pirated copy, mm-hmm. it got on the, like some, some radio, and I'm not just saying like sold well, they didn't sell well. Because it just sort of went over there, but it but it played well on the radios. It became like one of those things, and it kind oh, it's of, kind of like David Hasselhoff doing right. in Germany. So it's like, yeah, so right. it's like they don't know that that wasn't big here. Right. Like you know what I mean? Like oh. put him next to Dylan, put him next mm-hmm. to the Rolling yeah. Stones kind of thing. Okay, yeah. And so and then a, a, again, a journalist like from that area was like, "Where where's this person? Yeah, I want to know more about this now? Yeah. about this guy." And like found him again. He ended up touring into like other parts of the of the, of the world, and it was really interesting. And again, he probably yeah. likewise had no idea that His this was becoming yeah, a thing over there. He didn't know and, he was like yeah. big in South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really, it was really, really interesting to kind of see that, and that that, that definitely plays into um, that first one, the Stones of Summer. Right. Although I yeah, have, a... we we think that there's a perfect meritocracy in mm-hmm. the the great works of any kind of creativity naturally mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. rise to the surface, and everybody recognizes them. Right. Oh, right. Uh, that the shocking yeah. thing is the extent to which chance and yeah. uh, things outside you, of someone's control you only play know the ones things. you've heard of yeah mm-hmm. right and i and i'm gonna admit something right now i've not read this book it was a beautiful documentary i yeah. recommend the documentary and i recommend the book it is still out there it did get re- it get put back into print after the documentary i do have a copy i've not read it yet. <laughs> it's all good but there we go a fascinating story both in the documentary and i'm assuming also in the book itself. <laughs> Anyone else want to recommend or talk about a new author or, or first novel? Well, um, I've got another one actually, if you mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Um, I can just go through my greatest hits. Yeah. Um, big author, John Green. 
author of Fault in Our Stars. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wonderful YouTuber, has a wonderful podcast with his brother called Dear Hank and John, where they answer questions about all sorts of things in life, especially science, um, but many other things. Um, a great inspiration for me personally in the podcast area. Um, and Fault in Our Stars, I've not read. Uh, but I did read Looking for Alaska, Mm. Um, which was the first novel that John Green wrote, which was not particularly popular originally. It was yeah. a very moderate kind of success. It was a Michael Prince winner, uh, award winner, which is a, an award for, I think, more diverse literature. Um, um, uh, and so that happened as a young, as a, as a young adult to, uh, award that is probably going out through ALA or something like that, through YELSA, um, which is the youth. The youth side of the American mm-hmm. Right, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot my acronyms. So, okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it just kind of sat there, and it didn't, his life didn't really change. He was already a YouTuber. He was working with things with his brother. They had this wonderful sort of educational course called Crash Course on YouTube that goes over math and science and history stuff and literature. Just kind of kept going with his life. Did that one. I think did a couple more even. Mm-hmm. And then did Fault in Our Stars, mm-hmm. which got huge. It was, you know, the right. movie was made. And since and then, really, all his yeah. other work really got like a, a second look. There's a mini series out there on some streaming service based on this book. But I did read it for one of my book clubs. And I will say this. I love John Green and his brother Hank Green. I love almost all of their output. I think they're wonderful podcasters. They're very entertaining on YouTube. John Green is an excellent author. Didn't mm-hmm. care for the book. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Didn't care for it personally. I don't know. Uh, it was. It was. Although I will say one of the funniest moments was I was complaining in our book club about um, one of the characters having kind of a quirky nature mm-hmm. and like a quirk of his that he knew all these um, last quotes from mm. from off from like famous people and I was okay. like oh that's his quirk and then I realized about halfway through our meeting that when I was in in college I personally was incredibly into uh into a specific author uh <laughs> like a, a really 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 um like almost pretentious about it and I was like mm-hmm. you gotta read these books mm-hmm. passage to in E.M. Forster mm-hmm. passage to India mm-hmm. Howard's mm-hmm. End room with a view and right. it was like you're like prob- pusher. you were prob- a pusher yeah i was probably pretty insufferable yeah <laughs> and i was like okay i forgot i get it, I get it. <laughs> well I, I think we're all um kind of <laughs> lucky that there are not um uh perfect video impressions of all of the times <laughs> that we were just kind yeah. of really right. full I, of ourselves without knowing that we were i remember um, it kind of makes us who we are but uh, yeah I'm, I'm speaking of insufferable i'm sure there, there's <laughs> I, enough insufferable mark moments to, to fill every so channel I, I, I remember when i was in college uh we had our dead poet society that okay. and i hated co- uh, poems poetry but you know <laughs> uh but we still had our dead poet society right because right? yes. that was when the movie was out but uh yeah. but yeah yeah there there are times that that something of pop culture just grabs a hold of you and and you mm-hmm. become insufferable about it. I do know yes. that. Well, I have a question for y'all. Yeah. Um, when y'all do book clubs mm-hmm. and uh, you're choosing books for things, do you, um, let's say there's a, an author that has a large body of work, especially mm-hmm. if it's it's a, a series of books, do you, are you tempted to go back to the beginning or are you wanting to start like where what's popular now? Or I almost always go back. 
Yeah. So we've actually read a, I, the most. The most first novels I've ever read is because of the Night Out Book Club here at the library. Um, because you'll have something that's kind of popular. They'll have one or two or three mm-hmm. books out. The newest ones all the way checked out. That's how they got on my radar. But I was like, okay, let's try this author from like three years ago. Right, you know, right. find a book that's a little bit older. We have more copies available to it. So, yeah. So I actually read a, a, a fair number of first novels because of that. Or earlier novels mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a career. If it's a series, like that actually is independent of like a fantasy show, we do read the first one. Absolutely. Because you don't know yeah. what the story is, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. But, I just, I kind of, um, you were talking about with the John Green mm-hmm. is that, you didn't like that first book, maybe mm-hmm. because the characters or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's because maybe he didn't quite have his footing yet. He wasn't perhaps yeah. so pacing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's probably part of it. I'd have mm-hmm. to read more of his stuff to really be able to say. Although I will say he has a he has another podcast that's also been turned into a book called The Anthropocene Review. Yeah, in which he reviews various aspects mm-hmm. of humanity. Right. I have listened to multiple of those. Incredible writing. He because yeah. they are yeah. essays that he's been reading to you. Incredible. I, I thought when I read Looking for Alaska, this is an exceptional author. I just didn't care for the story yeah. personally. Yeah. Well, the, so, um, yeah. the, the act of writing a novel is like any other skill. You mm-hmm. get better mm-hmm. the more you do it. Yeah. Um, and so you were talking about the, the style of first novels. Um, yeah, sometimes it's, uh, you can see what they're going to become. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of uh, The Hobbit. Okay. Which is uh, very simple compared to the Lord of the Rings saga. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I've always been kind of like, why is this in the children's section? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, it was originally, a funny story about that. It was originally a story he was telling his son, Philip. Mm. And um, his son kept saying, but wait a minute. Last time you said the door was green. Um, last time you said there was a fairy at that. And he said, all right, well, I'm going to write it down so I can be consistent. <laughs> and so the, the the Hobbit basically came out of a uh, a kid that was looking for consistency in, in the way the story goes. Mm-hmm. But um, there are definitely foreshadowing of other things that he does to greater uh, greater literary, you know, with, with mm-hmm. greater literary chops because he's been doing it yeah. longer. In, in other cases, the first novels are... They, they look like, well, where did this come from? They come out, mm-hmm. you know, fully formed from... They're shocking. From, yeah, right. yeah. Um, and uh, in, in some cases, it's because they've been writing short stories. Mm. Um, George Saunders published his first novel a few years ago, Lincoln and the Bardo, mm-hmm. but he had been honing his chops writing short stories and, and teaching... Uh, mm-hmm. Short story classes at, at Cornell. And he did his ten thousand hours. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. you know, before he sat down to write the the novel. So. That is one of the things I love about first novels, and I think I understand that idea of that sophomore slump they talk about both in mm-hmm. music and in and in, in movies and in books is that you're seeing maybe ten years of thought, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or some or more, and but you're seeing a lifetime. Yeah. in that first book and then you're like when's the next one yeah <laughs> right, it's right. kind of tricky because yeah. you, you don't have this the second one's not promised right right and so the, the temptation to put everything you can into the first one because who mm-hmm. knows if this is such a great character it doesn't yeah. fit the mm-hmm. story but it's got to be in here somewhere right. i don't know right. when yeah. i'm going to have another chance or this is such a great sentence it's got to go in here somewhere yeah. um so um sometimes that that sinks a first novel because it's mm-hmm. just kind of Oh, that's, all, that's, that's a bunch of great bits, but there's there's not enough coherence. Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring into our discussion a book that um, I, I've 
familiar with. It's a, a, a debut novel a few years ago. And what was interesting to me about it was, and it kind of touches on some of the things that we've been talking about already. Um, I've been uh, in my time here in the library system involved in some writing groups mm -hmm. and yeah. uh, uh, kind of looked at the ins and outs of how do you publish? Who do you publish with? Do you do independent? Do you do with a publisher, an established publisher? How do you get your book across to where people will actually see it? You need to get an agent, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and so uh, what, what really stuck with me is that how do you break through? How do you make yourself that debut author that people are anticipating with bated breath. How do you get the buzz? How do you get the buzz? And one of the books that uh, that I do, I am familiar with, is a book called Calling Me Home by Julie Kibler. Uh, she actually is a uh, local author from Arlington, and she actually mm, yeah. mentions Arlington in the book oh, a little fun. bit. Um, uh, they, they start off in Arlington and then they go off on this journey. It's about this uh, this older 80-year-old uh, woman who goes to this hair salon and she doesn't have the best relationship with the lady who fixes her hair, and uh, but for some reason she asks her to, to take her on this trip. And they become friends while on this trip. But uh, one, the woman, the old woman, is... there is, nothing a road trip can't do? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, the old woman is a caustic old woman, you know, uh, mm -hmm. one of those those kind of like uh, caustic characters that you're like, oh, my goodness, I don't want to be around this person. Mm -hmm. But always, there's always something like what made them that way, right? Sure, sure. And so she was this white woman, and the hairdresser is this African-American woman, and she... I think felt like they uh, that the old woman was may have been racist or you know whatever. Anyway, so they go on this road trip for some reason. I can't remember because it's been a few years since I've read mm -hmm. the book. What ended up getting them on the road together, and it finds they find out that actually the old woman had a forbidden relationship with a, an African American young man when she was a uh, when she was a teenager or mm -hmm. early twenties. And that it just basically broke her that mm. that the relationship was not able to you survive. know survive, and um, and they learned so much about each other through this trip. And the thing that struck me about this book, it, not that it was a was a great book, it, it was a great book. It has amazing reviews all over the place. But like we were talking about, how do you break through? This is a local mm -hmm. author. Right. She is. Uh, uh, she's doing a book signing here at the library. She did. She came in and, and did a, an event here. And it received a lot of attention. And she is now a, um, what do you call it, a local celebrity almost. Right. You know, yeah. she's, she's now nationally known. Oh. That's what I was trying to say. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so... I looked up some things that was like how to write your debut novel, and they uh, this is from Penguin Publishers, and they have a lot of their um, authors. And I'll just kind of touch on a couple of things, and I won't read mm -hmm. a lot, but they had some of their authors uh, give some advice, right? You know, one of them is read, read, read. Um, 
And this is one of my favorite quotes. As a librarian, I also agree. Yes. <laughs> we, we wholly endorse that. Sorry, but go ahead. Somewhere back in my early music-making days, a mentor once said to me, in respect of being creative, you can only vomit what you eat. It has always <laughs> stayed with me, that line. And this is uh, by Sam Lee, who wrote uh, The Nightingale. Uh, and and so, you know, things like that, uh, uh, you know, reading, uh harnessing your emotions, the technical stuff. Start the scene as late as possible and get out as early as you can. The pacing, you know, mm -hmm. trying to work on the pacing. Somebody was saying that they were talking to this author and they said that she wrote out her draft, then deleted it all and wrote it again. And I'm yeah. just like, oh my gosh, yeah, I, how do you do that? I, I have a, uh, an acquaintance in the Austin children's writing scene that famously does that. Oh. Um, she'll, she'll draft a book, and, so, and then she kind of knows what she wants to say, and then she'll throw it away. And then she'll so so if you take that it. idea, I can't ever write an outline because <laughs> it becomes too booky, right? You yeah. know. So I guess that makes sense. But, yeah. it, but it makes sense. I and, automatically want to do that. And then it's fresher and less yeah. labored and, and, and so forth. But yeah. I guess the, the, the whole crux of the matter is to finding that good uh, agent, the good person who's going to be able to get your your novel mm -hmm. noticed by people. Uh, I think that uh, having debut novels are, are a thing that everybody clamors for every year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, Mark, you, you might know some uh, authors that uh, are some novels from the last couple of years that you might want to mention. Yeah, well, before I, before I do, I wanted to say that um, to, to get noticed is really challenging because, um, and, and this is about, these stats are about five years old, um, in oh, about 10 years old. Uh, in 2011, uh, 3 million books were published in the United States. Wow. Um, 300,000 of those were published by traditional publishing companies. The other 2.7 were self-published, and, and I'm sure these, these numbers have gone mm -hmm. up and up. But if you just say with, uh, with the 300,000, um, that's a lot of noise for your signal to break through. And, and, and a lot of people are now... Uh, uh, finding the ease of that self-publishing route mm -hmm. a lot easier to make that that start. Yeah, that traditional publishers are having it harder and harder and harder to find. You know, to to break through too sometimes. Right. It's true, especially so many things going digital. I don't know. I don't know if the target audience is going to care who published it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and there are some cases of people that start off in a self-publishing kind of Absolutely. mode and then get picked up. Right. Um, can't remember the name of the Wool. Wool was the name of the series. Yeah. Science fiction. Yeah, my father read all of those. Yeah. yeah he loved them. Um, but uh, yeah, so getting getting through that. Um, Hugh what, Howie. What, Hugh Howie. Oh yeah, exactly. Now there are some other strategies you can use if you mm -hmm. want to be a successful first-time novelist, and that's to already be famous. True. Um, and and, oh, that, yes. and that, that's mm -hmm. very frustrating for people that are down in the trenches. <laughs> right. And um, you know whatever so celebrity says, "Hey, book. I've yeah. got a children's book," and mm -hmm. you go, yeah. "Oh, great." That's one yeah. last slot for my title. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there's uh, also mentioned YouTube earlier. Um, uh, in 2014, YouTuber Zoella published a debut novel, Girl Online, sold 80,000 copies in the first week. Mm -hmm. um, that's compared to um, 
let's see, Harry, Harry Potter um, sold about 10,000 copies in the first week. Oh, that's amazing. The first one. Um, so a lot of times they have to get published and then get recognized, and then they'll do right. second and third and fourth and fifth print No, it's interesting. So like, for instance, that off, uh, uh, Chris Colfer, who played oh, Kurt on, on Glee, Glee. Yeah. he's a professional yeah. author now. He, he is. He's written he a lot of books. He doesn't really act anymore, yeah. I don't think. He no. just he wanted to be a writer, and he, he sort of took the cachet of that. And Because I, I, I actually saw an interview with him that was like where they he got like you know an offer for a publishing deal, and they wanted to do a biography. And he, mm-hmm. and he was like, I don't know, 21. And right. he was like, maybe not yet. <laughs> right. But I have been working on a children on a story since I was a child, a fantasy novel that is for children. It's like a J fiction series that, you know, the land of stories mm-hmm. is what mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. a series. And that's mm-hmm. been a multi New York Times bestseller, all of the all of the editions of it. I always look at some of that and I'm like, go you using your platform. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, and I do think that it is amazing that celebrities can have that platform mm-hmm. and be able to to they can if have some yeah. really good <laughs> content out there mm-hmm. but mark does make a point that you know if you have uh, one children's book that's written by a celebrity and one children's book that's written by a first time author and it's they're both difficult. equally the same quality mm-hmm. right who's good what are you going to read you're well, going to read the one by let's, your let's be honest the, TV the quality show. doesn't always mm-hmm. matter yeah so mm-hmm. what yeah. business are publishers in we would hope that they were in the business of publishing the best material they can find. In reality, they're in the business of selling as many copies as they yeah. can. Yeah. And sometimes those overlap. The art is accidental. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes they overlap, but uh, sometimes push come to shove. Um, you're yeah. gonna. You're gonna put and out. And to the, be honest, mm-hmm. you know what? Uh, I'll take I'll, I'll take it sometimes because uh, it keeps them in business and it keeps the books coming. Oh so. yes, yeah. In, yeah. In, in fact, that's the kind of the deal with the devil that people mm-hmm. have to kind of make is that, you know, if, if there weren't for these mm-hmm. uh, novels, uh, people that never really meant to be a novelist, but it's just one more thing to do. Uh, that brings in money that allows them to take chances on, on unknowns. On unknowns, yeah. and which I think is, you know, a good point that maybe not necessarily that they're taking somebody else's slot, mm-hmm. but they're creating they that. They could be opening that, up three new slots. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. The money. yeah, that's right. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good food for thought because you think about that sometimes the selling out or you want the prestige of something, but people don't read things that they haven't heard of. So and yeah. well, sometimes people sometimes. will buy books then never read it just because it has somebody's name on it. That's true. Is that is that me with Stones of Summer? <laughs> <laughs> I'll read it someday. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a resolution. Yeah, I, I'm actually not a huge one for New Year's resolutions because I don't I, I don't think you should be tied to the time of year for mm-hmm. a resolution. But <laughs> but then again, I'm not yeah. great at them any other time of year either. Yeah, so but I do I like that that kind of like you you get momentum of no, that's, like, that's done. I turn that's that true. page now. Let's do something new. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, speaking of you. you uh, uh, Tipped your head toward me earlier. Just mm-hmm. some some recent ones. If you, oh, we, yeah. we've been talking about ones that uh, were out. You know, Jane, out for a while. Jane Eyre is a debut. That's novel, right, right, you know? yeah. And um, yeah, I mean that's exactly. Uh, as as well. Calling me home, I think it was like about ten years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, one that just came out in the past year and is on a number of uh, 2021 best books of the year. Not best debut novel, but vaulting all the way to the top of, uh, of many uh, best books. It's called The Love Songs of W.E.B. Dubois. Mm. 
and um, it it kind of traces the the history of a couple of African American families across multiple generations, and um, I'm really looking forward to reading that. Uh, it's it's in my it's in my pile of uh, th things to read. Um, but there are uh, several others just in in the past couple of years that I didn't really think of them as first novels because these were ones that do kind of come fully formed with the author's voice. Um, uh, one is uh, Night Circus. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Erin Morgenstern. Yeah, yeah. And uh, she's gone on to write some other things, but there's just something almost perfect in this microcosm that, that she uh, that she puts out in, in, actually, in this um, debut. I, I think that might be on my book club list. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's not brand new. It's, uh, I guess, about 10 years ago. But... Um, the uh, another one that maybe ten years before that, but you think well, it's just perfect the way it is. Uh, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, mm. and it was kind of a history of, kind of an alternate history of what if magic really did exist. Uh, I want to read that book. In the Edwardian period. Yeah, actually, um, I, I've always wanted to read that one too. Yeah, and it's it's really thick, and I, I got through yeah. it on audiobook. Um, I, I, I don't tell me a book is thick. Sorry. <laughs> I, I could have read like, it in the other the if, if the pages were like on uh, onion skin, but right. when it gets more than about four inches thick, yeah. uh, part of my brain shuts down. But uh, right. I don't know how long an audiobook is. You know, it just, yeah. gets, just, just gets going. going. It just goes. I, what I'll say is The Seven and a Half Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle by Stuart Turton is, ah, is, okay. a, is both a book that is a first novel in the sense of all of the ideas packed mm -hmm. into it. It is a historical murder mystery. It is a genre-bending sci-fi. It is an ultra-consciousness idea. I don't want to go into more of it because you don't even... I, I can't explain exactly what that book is. But it's pretty incredible and interesting. But it's also got the touch of... It's, it's you know, got a, a good touch of... Uh, this is someone who has done some work and who is right. coming in pretty confident mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with it. I've read two novels by this person, okay. and I will say, completely different, which I thought was incredible. Yeah. Second novel, completely different. Setting, storyline, everything. Yeah, so, um, yeah. Amor Tolls has that as his ambition. Uh, his debut novel out just a couple of years ago... Um, the Gentleman of Moscow? No, that was the follow-up. Oh, um, okay. I'm, goodness oh, gracious, go. slipping, slipping my mind here. Um, it is uh, something about civility. Um, oh, rules of civility. Rules of civility. And then uh, uh, Last Gentleman in Moscow and uh, one that my book club, uh, Southwest Morning Reading Group, is doing this year, um, Lincoln Highway. Mm. And um, he, he said he didn't want to ever write the same book twice and so mm -hmm. they're all set in different places different kinds of characters different ages uh, different kinds of conflict yeah. i think eventually uh if he keeps writing he'll have to write the same book again um <laughs> there's, well, there's maybe only so many master maybe plots but maybe he'll throw it out the first time and write it again to get yeah a yeah version. yeah exactly <laughs> right yeah, that's hard to do once it's been published um they don't they don't really like you to throw it away once you've written it but um <laughs> that's true. um but yeah, so okay, so I think what I've gotten out of this is there's a lot more books I need to read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, so, I was really, oh. really shocked looking at this list. But I do want to touch on on two real quick because they had different kind of aspects of it. Um, I started thinking, well, what was it about my insufferable period? Was, was, was <laughs> We've there, all shared yeah, ours. Yeah, yes. why, was there an author that I was just way too interested in? And um, 
is actually uh, J.D. Salinger oh, okay. uh, debut novel, Catcher in the Rye, mm -hmm. and it just but grabs debut, you from like, the beginning. He's a one-hit wonder, isn't he? No, he well, was he? Yeah, no? Well, see, that's always the, the People question. People think it's his only novel. Yeah, so that's always the question when, when you talk about one-hit wonder. What, does a hit, what constitutes a hit? Mm -hmm. It's the only one that's widely read by mm -hmm. English classes. All but I would have, I, I would have bet. So I would have bet it was his only novel. But yeah, it's yeah. not. <laughs> it's not. It's not because um, if you uh, ran across me when I was about uh, seventeen years old, I'd start talking your ear off about Catcher in the Rye. But I'd say, but really, the good stuff. You don't even know the good stuff. Uh, the good stuff is uh, Franny and Zoe and uh, mm -hmm. Raise High, the Roof Beam Carpenter. And you know, nine, Mark, nine I'm kind of glad we didn't know each other then. I'm yeah. so sorry. Well, it, it got so bad that, because uh, um, in the, the time period, a lot of the, the characters were kind of, uh, it wasn't exactly film noir, but it was kind of in that uh, World War II. Yeah. yeah. And, and so I, I got a... Um, uh, got a uh, old a navy peacoat, and I, I taught, taught myself how to uh, light a match with my thumb without a lighter, what? Can you so still that do I it? could light my lucky stri unfiltered lucky strikes. Oh lord! So you can see just how uh, off the rails this guy. I'm gonna say this: I think it would have been an interesting group of people, and I do think we probably all would have been in your dead poet society. Yeah. Yeah. Just, we're, okay. We're fine. Sure. And yes, I did do the Shakespeare thing when I was a kid. I've those story before yeah. so you know where so, I would just go in the other room and just read out loud all the Shakespeare right. uh, plays that were <laughs> in the in the little collection that my mom had and you know every character had their own voice and yes yeah. we all have our insufferables yes. yeah. well here's yeah. hope, here's hoping that's what we should be known as the insufferables, insufferables. Yeah. <laughs> yeah here well here's hoping that we find a bunch of new authors and new books to be insufferable about yes and, that, and, I, and I will recommend to anyone out there uh best way to do that go to your local library and look at the new book section yeah and just mm -hmm. see what's there mm -hmm. absolutely Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Shelf Check. Music for the podcast is Wonderful Adventures by Julian Vonarb under license from First Com Music, Inc. Production and editing by Stephen McQuay. And thanks to Arlington Public Library system and staff. With special thanks to the makers of Allergy Medicine, <laughs> um, without whom I would just be a big dripping mess right now. Um, <laughs> apparently my home planet is made of juniper pollen. Oh. And it was blown up, and uh, so uh, pollen is my kryptonite, um, <laughs> and I would just be completely worthless without over-the-counter allergy medicine. So thank you, Big Pharma. Yes, thank you, Big Pharma. <laughs>